to another episode of the guns gear and beer podcast uh i'm the monkey in charge uh sort of Derek campbell of moguns.com i'm joined tonight by chris from because operator and adam from spirited systems how are you guys doing tonight uh pretty good pretty good thanks for having us Derek. not you're still responding to my texts and email so so far so good most people <laughs> haven't abandoned yet yet <laughs> Uh, before we got started, uh, Chris and I were talking a little bit about some interesting range shenanigans that you've been doing up in the Great White North. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I guess yeah, we'll tell the uh, tell the story. <laughs> and Adam, Adam hasn't heard this yet, so it'll be pretty good. So I was uh, filming filming some dude shooting, uh, Robo Murray, and uh, and our buddy Ray, and. Uh, I posted a bunch of stuff to like social media so far. So as uh, Rob and it turned out really good and uh, I was like filmed behind a PBS 31 and I uh, put together kind of this really badly made contraption out of a, out of a a crappy iPhone seven case to kind of get the phone behind uh, the 31s. So it's stable because they're a nightmare to film like anything on. And, uh, we're just, you know, everything was going pretty good. And uh, they're, they're about to like start a course of fire. And I'm like going to chase behind them, right with a camera. And uh, I'll put this clip out uh, eventually, so we can see it. But uh, everything's going smooth They're you know, they, uh, they, they run down the line, I'm, I'm chasing them. And it's like, it's all this like, icy snow, and it was just kind of crap on the ground. So a lot of hazard. And uh, they come up to their first target, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, all right, this is looking pretty good. Everything's like stable. And then they book down the line again and I like chase them. And then in the footage, you just see the camera just go, like go completely black. And you hear like this, you know, horrible uh, noise of plastic disintegrating. And it, it you just don't hear anything. Like you hear like, you know, foot running and, and stuff like that. And then you just hear me go, no and then followed by like firing in the distance as i basically missed out on all this footage because i just busted up my entire camera system um so yeah good footage you can't put it on instagram it's just wasted ammo that's right that's right so you know i i missed i missed out the opportunity there on some good footage and jb weld apparently doesn't hold up in uh cold weather too too good (laughs) Uh, last time we went out to the range (laughs) one of the guys um there had this jerry-rigged homemade uh like gen 2 plus kind of pvs 14 thing that was almost entirely homemade uh but the battery compartment uh was uh jp welded on like permanently and just painted over and he thought like when the battery dies i'll i'll mess with it then well the battery (laughs) died right as the night was getting started so he spent an hour with a pocket knife trying to pick it off and then only to find out that he like glued it in um with the opening to the compartment facing inward and completely glued and painted 
Oh no. So I think he's still working on that, or he's just gonna give up on it and build a new actual unit. <laughs> but the Franken yeah, build sounds like that's like where JB Weld actually works. Yes, I mean, it actually I worked. That. Mine, <laughs> mine just like fell apart. So you know, I didn't get. Yeah, you know, I got like half the footage I wanted that night because of that. You know, but uh, Adam, we see. A I'll lot post of really, that video. As definitely, definitely need to see that. And we see a lot of really cool guy uh, gear pictures that you post, but I don't see any shooting video from you. Oh, of, of me out at the range. That's what. Yeah. That's what the masses want. Um, yes, that's how you yeah, get famous so, on Instagram. You need a shot clock and a rubber dummy. Yeah, so I definitely, uh, I definitely wish I was at the range a lot more than what I am nowadays. Um, I'm definitely not, <clears throat> not as cool as you guys are when it comes to to a firearm. Don't patronize him. So, <laughs> no, I, I mean for, seriously though, I wish that I was out um, at the range every day. Uh, you know, my, my business anymore does not have much to do with firearms directly. So, you know, like, whereas, like, some of these guys are out there, the trainers and stuff are out there every day, or the, a lot of the photogs are out there every day. Um, I really, my place right now is just developing products and building new stuff and helping, you know, helping wherever I can to get things sent out on time. Um, is essentially where I sit around. So, I mean, about the only thing you see me running now is like a sewing machine or a cutter or something like that. And you run it. It's, I'm amazed at how many steps there are to assembling your gear when I jump in on the live streams every now and then. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely not a, a simple build process. And normally it's a long night that I'm there that I'll throw up on the live view. And it's usually like micro fight chest rigs. Um, it just takes a lot of geometry to get so much equipment pushed into that little that little package. So that's why it kind of takes forever. Like I pray that we're building plate carriers right now because they're they're so simple in comparison. So simple. Speaking of, any updates on the release of your next plate carriers? <laughs> so, I, oh my God, we're we're getting. I mean, we're, I should never have released any of those pictures, but I just can't. I can't help it. <laughs> I so we so the the envy. Let's just go back to the beginning. The I personally think the plate carrier market is so completely oversaturated right now. It's uh, I mean, if you start a tactical nylon company, you essentially you build a plate carrier that's like the first thing you do and if you notice there's really not a lot of innovation in between the different carriers right um i mean there's plenty of flavors but basically you're, you're getting a very similar item um, regardless who you go to and so we, we haven't really we didn't have a lot of interest in actually building one uh for the longest time and we uh we started thinking about it a lot more um, when we had a customer approach us and that's where the the whole nv series kind of started to, to be developed you know they had this unique requirement they said hey we want to be able to put like a sappy plate in there as well as a tesco special threat plate either or we're going to swap between these two types of plates so we kind of went to work of making this really oh yeah and they also said it has to fit under a t-shirt so we that's a challenge. started best and it is right. Concealing body armor is is very hard, especially if you if you're, you know, the geometry of your body is not 
built to uh, conceal it. And so we started messing with some geometry to kind of try to hide the shoulders, hide the plate, make it more of a smooth uh, appearance, outward appearance on the front of the, the body. And that's kind of what we achieved with the MV119. So we shipped those, those out. We had a little bit of an overrun on that. So we sold those to the public. And ever since then, it's just been nonstop emails like, hey, when are they going to be in stock? Like, when are, you know, we need them. My, my guys need them or whatever. And uh, we're just not at the point where we're going to produce them. Uh, we're still refining the design. We're making it better. Um, and, you know, every day we're tinkering with things to try and improve the design a little bit. So I would say this year, but not in the next two months. That, that is awesome. A lot of other companies would have just responded with crapping out as many as they could once they got a positive response from them. Sure. And, and honestly, well, time will tell if that was if we made the right move there. Um, <laughs> demand signal for things is uh, sometimes you have to just listen to what the, you know, what the customers are saying. And, uh, you know, those, the ones I just posted, I think there's, I'm not even sure if it's on Instagram. You want to pull it down because we're getting so many, but no, it is. I'm wearing like a plaid shirt. There's 889 likes on it for me standing in my shop with a coyote play care. But by the way, if you know me, I hate coyote brown. It's like the worst color, but <clears throat> so <laughs> I fucking hate it so bad. But uh, so we built these again for another customer. Um, and these play carriers, this is, you know, this is a customer requirement. He said, Hey, I want to have, the ability to stash three mags on the front of it if I if I need to, and so we obliged. We did it. Uh, he ordered a bunch of them, so it was worth our worth our time. And again, not you know, not it's a good design. It works very well. It does exactly what he wants. But we're still trying to take it a step further, uh, and I think we will. We have some really good ideas, and I can tell you about like the you know kind of the direction the series is going and stuff. It's a uh, we plan on having, we plan on having a like the NV one nineteen will always be a thing, right? It'll be the super slick, low profile plate carrier that literally takes hard hard plates of the sappy type, and it can carry you know a radio and two mags, you know depending on which side you want, but it'll be completely slick. Uh, and then we'll have a, a, one above that that is a low profile carrier at its slickest form. And then you can scale it very rapidly to have a full profile type set. I, mean, I wouldn't quite call it a full profile. When I think full profile, I think of CPC, right? Yeah. I think of this yeah. really heavy vest that is gonna carry a lot of munitions, that's gonna carry side plates, that's gonna carry all this stuff. It's not gonna be quite that. It's gonna be like you know, two steps down from that. Um, is going to be its highest profile. So th that's kind of what we have planned out for that right now. That's awesome. Uh, Zach in the chat asked what the difference between the Mark II and Mark III microfight rig is. Oh, yeah, good, great question, because everybody is, everybody is wondering that. So the, the main difference between the two, there's a couple of differences, but the main difference that you need to be aware of is the, the microfight Mark II, which is what most everyone owns, right? That has in the main pocket, the one that sits closest to your body where you would put your rifle magazine, that 
pocket is lined like a play carrier kangaroo pouch, right? It has soft loop on one side and has hard loop on the other. Um, we did that because early on, uh, in the interest of modularity, we had a lot of guys say, hey, I have this Kydex insert that I want to run inside the microfight. And so we built it to be cross-compatible with third-party stuff, you know. Uh, what we found through, again, through user feedback, which is mostly where we get all of our um, design changes, people asking for things, is uh, we found, you know, having the front pocket and the rear pocket of Velcro actually hurt us in a lot of ways for modularity because we, you know, we just couldn't do certain things. Now the Mark III has soft loop, four inch fields of soft loop on both sides of both pockets. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so the soft loop enables you to run like AR style 556 mags in the front pocket and the rear simultaneously. Or if you wanted to run, you know, all pistol mags in the front, one AR mag and your pocket, you could. I mean, it just opens us up to cross compatibility between the two yeah. pockets, right? So yeah, you could put your double the ammo capacity. Exactly. So you could double your ammo capacity, or you can put all pistol mags in it if you're like crazy and you want to have like eight pistol mags. Um, get a lot more modularity out of it so the only accessory that has changed everything between the mark ii series and the mark three series is cross compatible except the rifle magazine inserts okay so if you have a mark ii chassis only mark ii magazine inserts will work in it and if you have a mark three chassis on one side. exactly because the new one has hook on both sides the old one has soft or loop, you know, soft loop and hard loop on one on each side. So it just has to stay in there. Now we are planning on, we are planning on building, uh, we're going to continue to build the Mark II inserts for people. A lot of people are using them in plate carriers. It's a good alternative to Kydex, I think, in, inside a plate yep. carrier. So guys are using them in plate carriers. We're still going to produce them. Uh, they're just going to, they're going to sit on the pouch page instead of on the microfight accessory page. So that's the main difference there. That's awesome. How quickly did the uh, M81 this week? Yeah, that that sold out. M81 sold out in I think it was an hour and a half. That um, is we went, awesome. Yeah, it was it was really successful. We will be making it. Don't worry, it's going to be a Spirit of Systems exclusive. Excellent. We'll on SpiritofSystems.com. Uh, it will be available again. We're going to put it back in the queue. We'll start building it probably in a month. It will probably come out in another month. So if you're waiting for it, it'll be available again. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll be smaller quantities every time just because it's not, you know, it's just not something we're, we're looking to distribute on mass scale. So uh, scoop one up. If you see it available, I'd buy one if you want one. Well, and that kind of that kind of makes it special too is that there's, there's not a huge number of them out there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a cool color, and we, you know, there's chances we might do stuff like that every once in a while. I don't, I don't know. Every day is a mystery, you know. Absolutely, one day at a time. Sure, sure. But, dude, so I got to know though how how do you 
in Canada? That's a question that I get a lot as well. Sorry, say say that again. It uh, it cut out. <laughs> how how do you operate? Because how are you such an yeah. operator living in such a communist regime behind yeah, the maple syrup uh, wall? How do you, um, you know, so uh, I actually got that question a lot, and I think Rob does too. Every time we go to Shot Show, um. I, I get that question. I like, you know, media day or whatever. I got, I got asked by like uh, other retail, like some retailers that were like, how do you guys even have guns up there? Are you allowed to own them? Like, if you look at a gun, do you go to jail? Um, <laughs> you know, st- stuff like that. Like it was like some extreme kind of, you know, that's my, like, that's my, uh, but no, dude a lot of like a lot of people in the states they look they look at canada and they're just like these guys don't have guns but surprisingly our gun laws are a little a little weird um in the sense that they allow us to have things that uh a little bit easier that you guys have to jump hoops jump through hoops to get and then other things that kind of make sense that we should allow be allowed to have one because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any difference. They're like, it's like California law, you know, <laughs> for gun for gun law. They're like, no, that gun looks scary, so you can't have it. Like, you, no, you can't have an MP5, okay? Or an AK. No MP5 for you. No, or an AK. You know, forget it. No Jim Fuller guns for you. Uh, but you know what? You can have a 50 cal and, uh, you can have all the SBRs you can eat. Um, yeah, there you go here. We'll just ship them direct to you because we, they, you know, because as Americans. Yeah, so, so, so let's run through some scenarios, right? Sure. I, you know, Nova Scotia, it changed me as a person, right? I went out to Peggy's Cove. I sat, I sat on. Uh, a rock and I looked out at the ocean and I really contemplated a lot of the, the shit that I've done in my life. And <laughs> I'm not even kidding, man. That place. Yeah. That, that place was awesome. Dude. I was like, man, this is some primordial shit right here. It's really I mean, this nice is, up there. Yeah. And I, and I was impressed. I went, man, a guy like me could live in a place like this. I really could. And I started talking to some of the locals and asking about some stuff. And, um, you know, I was talking about guns and a guy up there, man, he, you know, I was at breakfast and he said, look, there's no way you can have a gun. And I was like, what do you mean? There's no way there's somebody has a gun in Canada. I, I just like, what? you know, and he totally was. So if I, let's just say this, I move up to Canada. I moved to Nova Scotia. And I'm like, look, I'm moving up there. Yeah. And I want to have yeah. my, let's just say 16 inch, you know, AR 15, what do I need to do? How do I go about that? I'm, I'm a citizen now. Baby, Let's say you, that. you can have a you can have a nine inch or a seven inch. Like you can go full diplomat if you want. It wouldn't it wouldn't matter. They're they're treated the same. But say you're a Canadian citizen, uh, okay. you would you would apply for a license and okay. the licensing system is federal or federal or provincial. It's federal, yeah, it's federal yeah. based. There's no there's no provincial licensing for firearms. It's all handled federal. Okay. Uh, federal, uh, you would take a, uh, a firearms course, uh, for the licensing and it's split into two. We have two, uh, different 
uh, categories of like, you know, ones that you can be easily licensed for. Well, I, when I say easily, like you pass all your background checks, right? You're not a bad guy. Um, sure. you can, you can have a firearm, uh, but you got to jump through these hoops. Uh, that's the non-restricteds and that really deals with any, that non-restricted. It's pretty much anything the government says it's not a scary gun. Okay. That's scary. There's, there's no, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's barrel lengths in there. It's like, you know, if it, if it's under 18.5 inches on the barrel, then it, it, it's going to, you know, and, and the overall length of the firearm is a certain amount, uh, then it, then it might fall out of the, um, non-restricted and go into the restricted category. Okay. Uh, but you know, there, it's a two, there's two different, uh, uh, licenses for that. You can take them both at the same course and it's called the, the, uh, uh, PAL and the RPAL, you know, are standing for restricted, right. Uh, and it's just a personal acquisition license. And, um, there's the prohibited ones, which are your, you know, fully automatics and stuff like that. And that that's basically just a, a no go. The only guys who are going to be able to sling prohibited are to, you know, companies bringing them in for agencies. Gotcha. Uh, it's the equivalent of class threes in the, uh, in the States. Sure. Sure. Makes um, sense. so you do this course much like if you were doing a driver's licensing course, it's, it's, you know, you would, you would, uh, go take a class somewhere and then they would run you through all the rules and regulations, uh, at the federal level. And they run you through a written and a practical, uh, exam at the end of the course, uh, for, for the, the PAL and the RPAL. So you get both that way. And, okay. uh, and then you, you, you wait and you twiddle your thumbs and you Google all the guns you want to buy after your paperwork's being submitted to the, uh, RCMP and, uh, they run their background check. Uh, if you come up as a good, uh, you know, upstanding citizen, you're not a bad guy. Uh, then they'll, uh, then they'll issue you a, uh, firearms license after you get that under our current, uh, law, uh, you can, you can go and obtain a, uh, uh, firearm. When you go and purchase one, say, or, uh, sorry, when you go and purchase a restricted firearm, uh, they, they basically do need to do a mini background check for the, like for the restricted that you're buying. And I know the States has something similar, like, you know, when you go sure. and buy a gun, they're just not going to go here, here's the gun, right? The, sure. Despite what people say, there is a wait period and they need to check things out. Um, so it's, it's exactly, uh, it's exactly like that. Uh, and then, and then you have your, uh, restricted firearm and it's licensed too. And that's, that's it. Where, so where, 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 where do pistols fall under? Yeah, true. Where do pistols fall? Uh, pistols, are, pistols fall under restricted because the overall length gotcha. of the firearm. And can you, is there any way to conceal, uh, conceal carry a pistol in Canada? Uh, so you can get a concealed carry license, but the only people who are going to get concealed carry licenses are by order of like a federal judge is going to gotcha. issue that, or sorry, the, the uh, crown is going to issue that it does exist. You know, guys, guys carry for, uh, for the purpose of protecting somebody who is uh, way more important than the average citizen. And, you and while we don't, yeah. <laughs> and while we don't agree with that, 
Um, you know, that is how the world works. And so they do have a system for that. Gotcha. Because a lot of people see, I think, I think the breakdown happens too, is that in the States, you know, we have the constitution. Uh, and I don't think a lot of people understand that there it's not, it's not the same in Canada. Right. So there's, cause you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't actually have a standing constitution like the States do. Right. We had something like it. And I mean, it, it just isn't, it just isn't a rule of law, right? Like we have the chartered rights of freedom, uh, sure. freedoms, which is kind of the equivalent, uh, but there's nothing in there that really says, Hey, we're, a, we're allowed to have, uh, have guns. Um, I wish there was. So we, we kind of look at it. Okay. Firearms in Canada, it is a luxury for us. Sure. Yep. Um, in the States, it's a right. Yeah, yeah, understood. Right here, but you know. Have you ever thought about making the switch, man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do a lot of work in the U.S. and uh, this year, um, you know, it's looking like I'm I'm going to do a uh, even more work in the U.S. Uh, So you know, there's there's always the possibility of going. uh, Hey, maybe uh, maybe permanently move down there and and start going through those motions. But um, it, it it's a lot. It's it's easier. I think it's easiest for a Canadian uh, to move into the states sure. than yeah, we like for you guys. any other country. Yeah, yeah. We we actually have. A, I didn't even know this. In uh, in your ATF laws, there's a bunch of laws about Canadians being able to carry firearms uh, in the states. I already know that I can. If I have a 16 inch upper on my AR, I can bring it down to the states to shoot competition or go shoot at a an event. Um, that's perfectly fine. My country's okay with that. Your country's okay with it. Uh, and I can, I can, if I'm down there with that firearm, I can actually uh, have that firearm with me as uh, on my person uh, for uh, for defense. Uh, the same way any American would be able to uh, uh, defend their life with uh, with a firearm and self defense in the states. So that is that is a um, that right is also afforded to Canadians. Uh, but but it's it. In the in the wording, it's Canadians only, uh, which I was like, "Wow, that's that's really odd." And we have to have obviously a valid passport, a Canadian passport, uh, to have sure. that. Uh, New New Hampshire tacked on an extra one. They're like, "Hey, man, we'll uh, we'll hook you up with concealed carry Canadians every time you're in New Hampshire." <laughs> so that that's pretty cool. I didn't even. <laughs> that's like uh, apparently there's some other states that have similar things. I haven't I haven't researched it that much because it hasn't been something that I'm like, "Oh yeah, I want to do that." Um, but, uh, I did come across that a couple months ago and, uh, found that interesting. That, that's funny. Oh, it's just New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hey guys, we're cool with you. Man, New Hampshire's awesome. Right. So, I mean, a lot of cool companies are in New, uh, New Hampshire. Uh, so here's an, here's an off, off topic question, but just, I'm curious since I live in Colorado, the land of, uh, high altitude and weed. Uh, what is the marijuana laws up in Canada at the moment? Um, so honestly, I don't follow it too much, uh, cause, cause I'm not a smoker. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so from my, my understanding and obviously there'll probably be somebody here that cast and they'll probably like correct my ass on this, but, um, it's, uh, it's still illegal, right? But there's. Uh, you know, unless you're dealing it, uh, the, the arresting you, there's really no point, right? I mean, 
it's uh, it's it's a super minor offense. The jails already have tons of people in there. Um, we you know we can't afford to go arresting a bunch of people for uh, for super you know minor possession yeah. of uh, yeah. of controlled substances. So I, that's kind of the stance on it um, until it becomes legalized. I mean, if you're a if you're a dealer, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're if they if they know they're kicking in your door, right? Um, they they don't want that. They don't want drug dealers. Uh, it's different for we we have dispensaries which are set up, but it's through obviously like medical. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just reading the chat. According according to Trailer Park Boys, <laughs> no physical. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, you know what? If you need to know anything about weed in Canada, just watch, just watch Trailer, Trailer Park, Park Boys. Boys. Yeah, dude, that, those guys are like, they know what's up. Yeah, man. They know what's up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel absolutely. like this is just like the second time said, that, that the show has become, tell us about this strange country next door. <laughs> tell us about Canada. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> According to that show, you want to go to jail because you get to play hockey. Um, you know, it's it's pretty sweet. So yeah, we got a we got a good thing going up here. One hundred percent. Seeing that chat, yeah, Mountie Breach teams, dude. We got some pretty high speed guys up here. Um, oh yeah, man, working with the RCMP. I'm. I know those those folks up. There's some folks up there that. It's very small. I think uh, your military, yeah. I think uh, Canada's standing army is like, it's so small. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the Kansofcom uh, community is uh, is really, really, really tiny. Um, but they have incredible uh, capacity. Like their, their abilities um, to kind of be anywhere is uh is is really impressive so you know sure, small sure. small unit but yeah canada canada really put like they looked at uh special forces and said okay you know we're, this is where we're gonna this is we're gonna invest a lot in that infrastructure and that seems to be kind of rolling down uh now with the with the introduction of you know we're seeing a lot more domestic terrorism right uh, that's rolled down into uh, into our Royal Canadian Mounted Police um, response units, and uh, yeah, those guys, yeah, they. I mean, they they come from uh, some of the best trained dudes in uh, Canada, right? Sure, sure, of course. No, it's. Uh, I think they compare in the comparison of you know, it's very interesting to me um, the population. I mean, we're getting into like some really weird political geopolitical stuff right now but politics canada, canada canada's population um you know 30 i think it's 35 million people and yeah. the u.s is 300 like i don't know we're probably like 300 um but when you look at if you look at a map of canada and it's just like it's just like, dude, put more people in that fucking country. But then I, you know, you start going up, you go like Saskatchewan, start going up north in Saskatchewan, and like, you'll die. I mean, you'll literally yeah, just get killed by gets real hot. Everything real up there, dude. I've I've been up there, and you know, you go to places where the sun never comes up, and yeah. 
you you know you're seeing the northern lights and uh there's just and you got to take a seaplane um yeah, you, you got to take several planes and then a seaplane and then you know a helicopter from camp to camp and there's nothing it's 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 not controlled i mean it is our it is our sovereign land but it's not controlled it's not policed yeah absolutely um, it's like it's like it's insane it's i mean the, the, the wild west is no more now it's just the wild north oh it, it's crazy up there you know I, you got to go up there to really kind of experience it um but after that you definitely have a different outlook of like you know our uh, canada's but, but you only want to experience it for a short time before heading back south oh yeah 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 man a couple weeks and you're like yeah man i really miss an electricity right about now and uh and light <laughs> Light would be nice. And mosquitoes that aren't the size of your head. Oh God, dude! I, I took some photos. Uh, you know, early days when I was up there, and um, and people thought they were birds. <laughs> that you know, that's how they thought they were birds, and I'm like, dude, that's bugs. <laughs> like, oh best. Yeah. So it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy. Oh my gosh, those suckers will suck you dry. <laughs> All right, so serious, uh, serious question, though. Serious question. Do you have a girlfriend? D- sorry, d- do I have a girlfriend? Yeah, the real, the truth is nobody cares about that. Tell us about your nods. <laughs> uh, That's I, another I, thing I got, that even, like, Lucas I got like, two loves in my life. I got my... Have PBS do what? Well, they're, uh, they're internationally uh, distributed. Uh, yeah, yeah. L three, sure. L three distributes to you know various NATO countries, um, uh, quite a bit actually. So, sure. Uh, night vision. Take, uh, much... take. I, w- I want to hear the whole story though. I want to hear from the inception when you, when you were laying in bed and you thought about them. And then, <laughs> like that, like no. It's, it's I want the like whole story. You're at, like you're at a, like the cat at the desk, and you got the newspaper, and you're like, "I'm gonna buy a boat." Instead of that, you're like, oh, "I think I'm gonna buy thirty ones," or "I should sure. buy thirty ones." Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, like uh, as I said, they're internationally distributed. Uh, you know, uh, globally through uh, NATO NATO countries. Sure. Yeah. And uh, like like uh, SBRs uh, in Canada, we. Uh, getting night vision or, uh, or even, you know, even IR lasers, uh, that stuff exists up here in our marketplace. Um, and, uh, just like, just like in other countries, well, NATO friendly countries. Right. Um, actually it's kind of interesting that, uh, what recently happened, I don't know if, uh, if you guys were following, but, uh, not to again, get into an, you know, carry on with the political discussion, but uh, see, our country has a an ITAR agreement with uh, with the states, and sure. uh, I was actually just noticing this with uh, I think we were talking to Lucas before, and they were asking me, well, what's what, you know, what's the deal if you have an ITAR item in Canada, can you uh, can you send it out? And we can't because we you know we have an ITAR program. Correct. But a lot of the a lot of the retailers uh, and distributors. Uh, you know, say an EOTech, right? Uh, or an, you know, aimpoints come from a different country, but you know, L3 equipment, right? Sure. Um, they, there was really no disclaimer on them, but now, you know, now there is because you know it's be, 
vendors are being pushed more to say, hey, uh, we do have an, a trade agreement. That's why you guys are allowed to have this stuff. That's why these NATO countries are allowed to have this stuff through their distributors. But there needs to be some sort of end user agreement in place with uh, with the, uh, whoever's purchasing that, uh, that they know that if they send it out of Canada, you are breaking um, you are breaking ITAR from Canada. And uh, when when that news hit, uh, you know that I that I saw about uh, our government, uh, our current government, the the Liberal government, uh, saying that they were going to uh, deal with China uh, on some weaponized lasers technology. I, you know, it doesn't even really matter what it is. It's the fact that this is stuff that shouldn't be falling into those, you know, you shouldn't be sharing that information. It, it's outside of our, our alliance, so to speak. It's outside of our NATO alliance. And uh, it hurts agreements like our ITAR agreement, like other countries have, like Germany, uh, has uh, ITAR agreements with the states to supply their uh, supply, uh, you know, distribution rights for this equipment to other countries. Uh, and it hurts those when you go and you deal with somebody that isn't included that, right? There's no trust there. So I saw that and it, it just kind of pissed me off because it kind of, um, it kind of craps on that agreement. But uh, obviously I don't have the full scope you know, sure. of, of yeah. what's going on there. But, it, but from, from, you know, from me just looking at it, it's just like one more thing. It's like, you know, we, our guys depend on that equipment. Um, we like enjoying using it uh, and it's made available to us because of the, because of the agreements that our countries have, right? Because distributors set up those agreements so we can enjoy this like hardware. Like I can have a BCM rifle, Right, or right. I can get a firearm, uh, you know, a Knight's AR, uh, because they know that I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm under an agreement that I'm not going to send this stuff outside of our country. Uh, Even if you Italians know. ask you to. Only if okay, Italians are the exception because you know I got a, like soft spot for Mario and like you know pasta <laughs> really good and. <laughs> no, but you know. <laughs> how is, is uh, it how is it that the italians have such a reputation because that's every that's everywhere man we i mean they they're tenacious they are for, for those listening that don't necessarily know if you're involved in any kind of gear form on really any platform <laughs> that deals with itar products there for some reason there is an incredible amount of italian mostly airsofters who yeah. are tenacious in their trek to try and acquire ITAR products and yes. get very yeah. salty. Circumventing the law. Know. The law. Circumventing the law is what they want to do. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there that probably shouldn't be ITAR, but it just ended up on that list. Um, you know. And I'm I'm not I'm not gonna defend Italian, uh, you know, from from going on forums and being like, hey, you shipped you shipped to Italian, yeah, and then the, you know, and then the fingers come up, and <laughs> you know, they're uh, I'll trade you pasta for that. Uh, no, I, I I think it's I think that you know that type of stuff is uh, you know they are it seems there are airsofters, but the biggest worry is like who are they gonna send it to? Yeah. No, that's exactly. The, that's the problem, right? Yep. Um, it goes out of it. It's out of uh, uh, control. 
after that. And uh, so similar, um, are there restrictions on infrared lasers? Uh, so infrared lasers. We have different uh, we have different laser rules than the states, even though uh, Health Canada follows the FDA regulations very closely. We actually um, look at your regulations, and I think I, I think our guys look at your regulations and go, uh huh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that makes sense. We'll implement <laughs> that, right? And uh, which is fine. But you guys have this. Uh, you guys have an FDA rule set that basically says, you know, IR lasers after a certain amount of power are just bad because you know that you could be you could be burning people's eyes. You could be using it for nefarious uh, purposes. Yeah, that that. Kind of, so you guys have this. Uh, this laser limit um, on a class one. As far as I know, we don't really have anything like that um, because because uh, rail mounted IR lasers have never really been a thing that people have uh, that have be people have been able to buy um, in our marketplace. Uh, and now we have vendors, uh, you know, providing um, at PLCs. Uh, uh, the mall, uh, you know, Ramparts, uh, one of our uh, distributors here for B. Myers, they're going to be uh, selling the mall. Uh, the, Which I believe you know, you're on a wait list yeah. for, aren't you? Maybe. <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't jumped on anything yet. Um, but from what I've seen and from the guys I've talked to, the laser has been, uh, it's, it's really cool. I want to I see one. Um, I want to I want to demo it first and and see what, but everybody's talking about how uh, great it is but yeah we can have that stuff uh, up here but we don't really have any laws that uh, the only laws that we have is uh is like under the aeronautics act uh and i think it's some like you shoot a laser at a plane you're going to jail for like 10 years that's that's what we have so yeah it's the same um, thing here it's you point anything at a plane and it's incredibly serious yeah, I mean, what's your take? What's your take on it? Like, do you do you guys think that um, you should be able to get high powered lasers? Uh, as, I mean, you, as we, we can get high powered lasers. I could. Sorry, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, not. Oops, this this got auctioned off from <laughs> random sheriff's department because they didn't. I bought it from Italy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, there's there's also that, right? I mean, you buy it internationally or whatever. Um, the only, I mean, you what breaking an FDA law, but it's like the law is that whoever sold it to you is the one that broke it. I I don't know the uh, the the details of like the inner workings of that. But uh, do you believe do you believe that civilians should the uh, U.S. citizens should be able to have uh, have those? <clears throat> I mean, I I personally don't care if they do. You know what I mean? Like, I, it doesn't bother me to yeah. to think that somebody has a here. Here's here's my deal with the with the laser versus firearm, right? Yeah. Um, if somebody's putting a mall or a pack fifteen or a pack two full power on their on the rifle, yeah. Um, you know, they, they're already putting it on a rifle. So it's like the the act of pointing a laser at something uh, and discharging a laser into somebody's eye is is dangerous, obviously. 
but on the scale of dangerous, it's very low compared to pointing a weapon at somebody. And, and I feel as if the average person is not going to go out and purchase a mall, full power mall, just to shine it in people's eyes. Right. Uh, it's yeah. it's it's just too expensive. It's not like it's not a, an average item that somebody's going to have now. Store, <clears throat> sure, and restricting access, you know, to like it's not like something you're going to the dollar store and buy a hand laser and you're just shining at people's eyes, which obviously is a problem. Even with an eye safe laser, uh, can probably be a problem if you, you know, if you're shining in somebody's eyes. But it's I think it's an education thing, just like just like anything else. Uh, I think it's, I mean, there's people out there who would really like to have high powered lasers. I mean, they're, you know, I, for one, no, and I'm very curious in the mall. Um, I've played with it. I've, I've, I've had it in my hands. Uh, agronomically, it's, it's, it's very impressive. Um, mm-hmm. but it, you know, I think that the buttonology on it is, is also very impressive. It's very easy to figure out and, and I think it's better because you're replacing the common issue that we're having, right? And this is something that's been going on for a while is that our rifles are getting smaller. We're wanting less and less barrel length. We're figuring the ballistic side out so that we can actually have less barrel length. And, you know, even on my, on my 12 and a half inch gun with a, you know, a PEC 15 on it, all of a sudden you know, you put a PEC-15, you put a pressure switch, you put a Surefire, and there's not a whole lot of real estate, uh, you know, left over. Where I think the ball really improves that by just being a standalone unit where you can, you know, have the buttons right on top of it. But uh, I'm still curious, and, and, all, and, and everybody says it outperforms, the civilian mall outperforms the full power ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, I mean, sorry, excuse me, the full power <laughs> PEC-15. Yeah. Um, everybody's telling me that. And I'm inclined, the people who are telling me it, it, I'm inclined to believe them. But again, like you said, I would like to see it first. I'd like to see it in action. Um, yeah. I'd like to get my hands on one, quite frankly. But Well, it's it's double the price of what you would pay for an app PLC, right? Sure. Um, sure. But, you know, from from the verbiage that I've seen from uh, various retailers, and, I you know, I follow – a uh, buddy of mine up here, uh, uh, Paraz Designs, got me hooked on primary and secondary. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and those guys, um, they're yeah, they're pimping it hard. Big, yeah, they're big advocates. Bill is a huge advocate of the mall, sure. and he knows his he knows his shit. Yeah, when a guy like that is telling you, you know, this is this laser is you're, you know, literally getting four times, uh, what you would get out of a, out of a, a another class one, uh, for double the price. If it fits within the, you know, what you need, need it for, uh, if you need that extended range, if you need that green, uh, a very well-designed, um, green laser that's visible on a bright and sunny day at a hundred meters at the range, then this is the laser you would, you would want to run. Sure. It's worth the money. It's worth the money. So, yeah, I, I I'm in the same boat. It's kind of like I I want one. Um, do I saving need your it? pennies? You're saying, wait, hold yeah. on. Yeah, I'm gonna say something. <laughs> it's way I'm too late to, to say to start playing the do I need it game. 
<laughs> I, I know, I know. It's that's yeah. You're here, saving here, 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 you're saving your loonies. My you're saving your loonies <laughs> and tunies. Yeah. Yeah, which is like, <laughs> which is which is uh, ridiculous currency compared to the states. Uh, I call it monopoly money uh, because that's precisely what it is. Uh, I feel like sometimes the Canadian dollar, uh, the Canadian tire money we get back if you go and shop there, uh, is worth more than our actual dollar yeah. will be. But uh, yeah, that yeah that makes it that makes it even more. Uh, expensive for us, right? So you know, we oh, well, you have like ten people in your country as well. So um, I know, yeah. yeah. And it's just a we're gonna ship us one mall. We all got to fight for it, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I feel I, so. Anyway, Rampart, Rampart, um, Rampart yeah. is our is going to very soon be our uh, Canadian distributor for um, awesome. oh, systems yeah, products. Yeah, so. Awesome. So I, I don't know if I was supposed to announce that, but whatever. I just so that's <laughs> you heard it here on the cast first. Um, Kyle, Kyle and them are awesome. I, I love those guys, and they've uh, they hooked me up with uh, with a lot of the stuff on my ARs. Um, cool. My aim point came from them. My T two, uh, yeah, great. So great got to call them. Dude. Tell them they got a plug. They got a plug on a. There we go. I'll let I'll let them know. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them they got a plug on Jones here. So, Can know, we, think... do we know? Do we know at all what your uh, what the lineup's going to be like? Are you allowed to talk about what? Yeah, I mean they're I mean they're going to carry. Right away. Yeah, they're going to carry. Uh, Are you going to start gonna... carrying some cat patch shit? <laughs> no cat patch. <laughs> they're going to carry. Uh... Whatever. I'm looking at your Instagram right now. I don't see any cat pat on this Instagram. So no, um, no, <laughs> we are, <laughs> we're, I think we're going to carry a lot of our catalog. I, I can't remember exactly what they ordered. I'd have to have it in front of me, but they're going to carry a lot of our stuff. And I, and I suspect they'll carry, you know, they'll carry as we produce new things and put them on the catalog, they will, they will carry it. So there's a, you know, I guess like we're coming out with the thing will come out this year. Um, which I think guys are going to be I want this. real stoked about that. And I think they're going to be, we have a surprise with it. I think people are going to be even more stoked about it when they see it. Mm-hmm. Um, the plate carriers are going to come, come down the line sometime. And we have helmet covers for M-Tech. Uh, I'm not sure if you have an M-Tech, also need that. M-Tech or not. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. We, got a lot, we got a lot of stuff. You know, Still waiting. I'll tell you what, man. I, I had the privilege of, so I have, a, I have two helmets right now. I have, a, I have an airframe. And I also have um, an Imtech helmet, and the you know I got the I got the airframe actually after my my last appointment. Um, the doctor was basically like, "Hey, you know this this new helmet." I was going to see like a traumatic brain injury doctor, and they were he was telling me about this this helmet right that supposedly. You know, there's some research, preliminary research that says it cuts down on on blast wave or, or something like that. Now I don't know if any of that is real, right? Uh, I never like did the research myself. I never looked into it. But he was convinced. He was convinced. He pointed me towards the cry helmet. So when I when I went over for uh, the State Department, I uh, I purchased one myself, right? And I've worn that thing, and I really like it. I really, really like how low that thing sits on the back of my head. I, I mean, it, it fits well. Um, I still have it, and I still wear it sometimes. 
you know, not doing anything cool, but just like sitting in my house watching TV. I wear it sometimes. We all do that, though. That's I what mean, Chris and I do. But <laughs> I play oh, Ghost Recon man. in gear sometimes. There you go. That's, that's what you got to do, right? But, uh, you know, but I, I had the privilege of going down to the um, down to Indiana and going into the MTech facility and seeing, you know, what they're doing and have them really explain to me you know, the difference in, in these helmets. So MTech, the helmet is a relatively new thing, right? I mean, it kind of hit the market. People yeah. were like lost their fucking minds. Like, but it, but it, MTech as a company is not a new company. MTech, you know, these guys are Marines mm-hmm. and they, you know, they did some really barbaric shit in the opening days of, of the war. And I mean, we're talking like Humvees with sandbags on the floor, like, welding their own gun mounts yeah like animals and it is on the radio antenna i don't know about that i don't know about war crimes but they (laughs) they got pretty barbaric (laughs) but they but so these dudes you know they really really are in touch with what it means to be you know suffering in, in some of these places and they came back and they started you know, really trying to change the game as it came to, to armor. And they actually started out with a mandible piece. Uh, guys were, you know, guys were catching IVs to the face up in the gunner's mm-hmm. turret. And there's no reason why that should be, right? I mean, it's, it's America. We, we have the money to, like, pay for these things. We have, like, fucking stealth bombers and shit. I mean, we could pay for, like, a piece of Kevlar that goes on your face. Well, they designed it, and it works really well. But they're, the real significance of the helmet and what i kind of again here's a plug in tech but i was just really blown away by the technology right and, and obviously i like, can't talk about the build process like that's all proprietary to them but right of course their hell i i can just tell you like it is like nothing else anyone else is doing right it, it's better it's lighter um it there's some principles behind this is backed by I mean, we're talking like serious research, right? Not mm. just like a couple dudes who decided to make a cool helmet company. I mean, they, the geometry, the materials, the, the why it doesn't have bolts in it. It's like a boltless helmet. Like all of these things play into the, you know, the survive, soldier survival based off of actual research. Uh, and, and you would be surprised to know who MTech has done work for uh, some other players out there in the helmet game that you wouldn't suspect right because they've been around so long and they just you know helmets what you know wasn't what they were building but uh was really impressed i mean those guys care so any business if somebody's out there thinking about buying a helmet i strongly suggest you get on the list they're uh, they're clearing their backlog out right now they really like you know get on their list they're really chugging away at it yeah and their and their stuff is uh, they're good guys. They really are. They're really good guys. And I was really, I was really, obviously I've talked about it now for like 15 minutes, but they're, uh, oh, fine. Adam, I'm going <laughs> to throw my maritime in the fireplace. I'll be right back. Yeah, please throw, <laughs> throw that in the <laughs> Sorry, Obscore. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think, Obscore is nice too. The more I see of it, um, the more impressed I am. And Rob, uh, Robo Murray actually went and he was he was like one of the first dudes to come back and report about how how fucking amazing that helmet was. And he met up with the dudes at like 
an airsoft game, I think. Uh, if I'm remembering, yeah. Eric, he was like down there for one of yeah. the big events, and the MTech guys were there, and he rolled he rolled the event with the MTech guys, um, and the dudes were rocking MTechs, and that's how he he um, he started hanging out with them, and uh, he got to play with uh, one of the ballistic helmets, and he was just like, "Oh man, okay, this is you know this is uh, really cool stuff," and it, I mean he's you know he's messed with uh, ops core helmets. Right, uh, Maritimes and and stuff like that. So he's um, he's already experienced with that equipment, and then he gets the MTech in his hands. Uh, so I'm I'm very interested to hear Derek's uh, feedback as well when you get yours. Uh, when I get mine and play video games while wearing it. Hey man, yeah. I just well you know you're gonna probably be doing more night shoots and stuff like that, right? So you'll run it through its paces, and I guess you're gonna hopefully have it for some of the courses that are coming up. Yep. So uh, maybe not the courses. I generally try not to be that guy. Just a carbine course. Uh, are you doing that another shoot house course? Wasn't that the in the cards or or am I missing? Um, not not a course. Uh, I think Yosef is just doing a just a two day basic carbine. Right, right. All right. Well, if you don't wear the helmet for that, I'm going to be very disappointed. Um, <laughs> I fully expect like mohawk footage of that and everything, dude. No, I'm just I'm just. No, it, yeah, the, that shot show last year when I first met the, the Ben and the guys at MTech, and they handed me like at the time their prototype ballistic. I didn't know it was a ballistic when he handed it to me. I just thought it was a bump. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that, that that's a nice, that's a nice helmet. That's cool. Help you in a fall. Yeah. He was like, yeah, no, cool shape. <laughs> cool like, shape. Whoa. <laughs> it's not oh, yeah. three, but <laughs> this is stock shit. Yeah. It's it's legit, man. I mean, it's a. I was really impressed by it. I was really impressed by the the technology behind it. I mean, there's any other, any other companies out there um, that are doing some really incredible things with material sciences. And another one that a lot of people don't know about, uh, I mean, you've heard the name, but you probably don't know that they make, you know, things that protect your body. And that's HESCO. Uh, HESCO makes really, really incredible plates. Um, and we're talking, I mean, some of the plates that they showed us this last year at, at SHOT Show, um, these things are like special threat, special threat rifle plates that, I mean, they are so unbelievably thin and lightweight. Yeah. I mean, these things are these things are sick. I mean, they're they're definitely the lightest weight, the thinnest plates that I've seen, uh, and and they're really awesome. Again, you know, not a lot of people think Pesco when they think plates. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they're mm-hmm. yeah. check them out. They got some legit stuff. Yeah, the the new armor offerings, like the direction the technology is going, is uh, it, it's just mind blowing. Um, that's how light crazy. Armor is getting, and I mean that's light and buoyant. That's the direction it needs to go, right? Um, sure. Uh, yeah. It does. It price doesn't matter at that point. Sure. Uh, saving lives, right? Um, sure. So, you know, why are guys running like twenty, forty thousand dollars? worth of night vision on their on their head but the you know they're having to have uh, ar500 up front yeah <laughs> no, i mean like i mean like you know guys guys being put in harm's way right they you know uh it feels like the the armor up until a certain point has been um you know really behind and uh yeah i saw i recently heard uh not too recently i guess it was like last year maybe a year and a half ago but i heard about some new armor technologies that were coming out where they're making like level four stuff that weighs as much as my special threat plates 
sure. you know, and, uh, and that, you know, that's an, that's the direction it needs to go. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that it's moving that way. So good shit. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed though, that both you and Robo Murray don't have any, uh, spirit of systems kit. I'm just going to throw that None. out there. Yeah. Not, 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 not sack nothing. I'm on the website. All right, I'm adding it to my cart. No, don't don't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that. No, I, I mean, um, I, I'll probably. Uh, you have like, to wait till Rampart. Well, the other thing is, I the other thing is, I I imagine. Um, I was going to ask this. I imagine a lot of Spirited System stuff is ITAR. Uh, negative. It is not ITAR. Oh, okay. Oh man, nope. that's good. That's good that you didn't get painted by that brush yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's not ITAR, and it may some of it may become ITAR in the whenever. But what um, qualifies soft goods to become ITAR? So generally, I mean, dude, I'm not even going to pretend to completely understand ITAR. Uh, we have a lawyer. <laughs> we we have a lawyer who does that. Um, but there's it's weird stuff, man. It's like. You know, some of the cabling for like radios, like a radio hand mic connector is ITAR controlled, right? It, it, a lot of it has to do with how it's kitted, uh, what it's kitted with. You know, it, it just gets blanketed under ITAR. Some of the materials are ITAR because they are IR. Um, oh, I can't. I just forgot, forgot the, what it's called. They don't reflect IR um, right. ones and stuff like that. They're absorbent. Um, IR defeat, right? Sure, exactly. So some of that, and, and, and patterns, right? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, like AOR. Stuff. Yeah, AOR is because it's owned by Natick, right? And that's why you can't just get IR or sorry, you can't get AOR stuff. You can't just go purchase it. Everybody asks us, when are you going to build an AOR? We're not. It's never happening. <laughs> Natick will not release the pattern, even though it's old now. And like whatever, it's Natick. They do it. The army owns it. We're never getting it. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, as far as shipping into Canada, no, we're not, we're not controlled under ITAR. Uh, we personally choose not to send to non, pretty much non-NATO countries. <laughs> so, you know, if somebody, sometimes we get some weird orders, man. And I'm like, yeah. and we just, we just politely decline, essentially. Yeah. We just respond and, and decline. But uh, right now, like, yeah, I'm not sending streaks to Chechnya or the Italians. <laughs> 50, 50 Italians right now watching the stream are like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's the browser. Uh, those poor eye ties, man. But they, you know, they, I don't know, man. Like, you just got to, you just got to move out of Italy. That's just the, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's the one. answer. Like, step one, move out of Italy. Step two, go to canada i guess oh, hold on one second oh there we go sorry my google uh google hiccup there on me um well that's good to hear it so uh you guys and yeah i do understand like the whole uh uh it's it's also a bit of a pain uh for retailers that you know even though the stuff isn't uh isn't itar uh, covered under itar um then uh it's still a pain to export because after a certain amount, then you might have to deal with the uh, Department of Commerce or something like that. So I've I've sure. talked to retailers that that have to jump through the hoops, and that's you know it's just a lot easier to sell uh, uh, Conus or uh, have a distributor. Yeah, you know, and that and that's kind of what we're gonna yeah. we're gonna turn it over to 
to Rampart. Um, That's the way to go, I think. Yeah, and they're great. Guys. And, and they, you know, they know the they know the laws and all that yeah. stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, they're navigating that landscape really well. Uh, you know, bringing a, bringing a lot of products uh, to Canada, um, and it's just it seems to have picked up just in the you know past couple of years. Uh, you know, and and a lot a bunch of other companies are also getting in on it, uh, which is good to see for us. So it you know grows our our communities up here. Uh, hopefully, uh, continues on into the future. We'll see. Yeah, we're interested as a company. We're interested to see if the market is going to open up anymore up in Canada. But, you know, for direct sales. Up in Canada. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> they got my credit card on file. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> rip wallet. Oh, I think your wallet died a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't even, let's not even get into that. Um, yeah, uh, I, I actually meant to. As sorry, this is probably. I know uh, Derek probably had like scheduled uh, questions, but we're kind of no. Just, uh, those are boring. Uh, oh, they're boring. He's like, I tore that up a while ago. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, seriously though, would you have you have some real questions? I mean, let's get back yeah. on track. What's yeah. Up? So, um, so. You know, a, a bit ago, I uh, I overheard you talking to uh, Chris from Addicted to Gear, and uh, I neglected to uh, ask you uh, what your background is, dude. What my background is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, um, you know, outside of uh, outside of the gear, what uh, you know, uh, I got the impression you're you know from from making all the cool gear that you make. Uh, you've you've done some pretty cool stuff and <laughs> and that that you know got you that experience to kind of know what uh law enforcement and military uh needs um you know so i'm interested to hear uh if you if you would uh yeah, uh, yeah no, not, a, not a problem so um nothing nothing that cool i, I basically i got out of uh high school in 2005 um yeah. i joined Joined the army very quickly after. I think I joined like four months later. I was in at Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, I went in as an eleven Bravo, so just an infantryman. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, went through that whole gig down there. I was stationed up at Fort Drum. Uh, I did a pump as a, a communicator or RTO radio operator. Um, Sixteen months in Afghanistan, two thousand seven into two thousand eight. Came back, uh, went to selection for um, the scout sniper section in my battalion, was accepted into that. Uh, 2008, went down to Fort Benning to sniper school, got on a sniper team in, in my battalion, went back to Afghanistan in 2009 for another year, uh, came back from that, um, got out of the Army. And then I contracted for the Air Force, Department of the Air Force, um, as, a, as a basically working at an Air Force base doing some, some garbage work. And then I went back into like the actual contracting world and went to Afghanistan again under the State Department, um, worked high threat security at the embassy. And then I... And I finished out my 
my operational time as uh, a DOD, basically technology contractor. So I was traveling around Afghanistan and, and uh, helping out with some pro programs, like distributing equipment, you know, for uh, for a certain government office. And I mean, that's it, man. I mean, it's not. Um, you know, it's not cash. That's it. So, that's all. <laughs> that's it. It's like, not, I, I didn't do that's, anything. That's all you cool. got. Nothing else. Just so, all this cool shit. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, like, really, there's there's guys out there with resumes that are very, very impressive. Um, I don't really consider mine to be be that impressive, but it's I, you know, I when I was in the um, you know the high threat security or the they call it um, whips for the State Department. And I was talking to one of the instructors and, and he was, he was a little pissed off at everyone. And he, he gave me a really good, or he didn't give me, he gave the class a really good perspective, I think. And he said, uh, he said, you know, it's, it's not, it really is not about what you did in your past life, right? It's, a, it is always about what you're doing today. And that really stuck with me through, throughout the rest of my, my time, because we, we see these guys who are in the special operations community and, and don't get me wrong they're great guys there's a lot of great guys um but in my experience contracting a lot of those dudes really you know they, they weren't all that great in the contracting in the contracting capacity um we had a lot of a lot of issues with you know personal discipline and, and just not really caring about the job uh whereas you know i had some I had some infantry, just regular old infantrymen who were like, you know, very talented at doing that stuff. So it, it really stuck with me that it, it really matters what you're doing today. It matters, uh, you know, not what you did yesterday, to be honest with you. And credentials are there. I especially think in the training world, it's important that we are vetting our trainers and we are looking at guys who, you know, I basically split them into two categories. And there are people who have seen and done, and and those people are who I, I like to go to for um, tactics, right? right? Tell me, tell me how to win the gunfight based on experiences, based on things that have happened. And a lot of this stuff is, you know, it, it, there's a lot of things that seem like a good idea until you actually uh, get out there and start having somebody shooting at you. And then all of a sudden, that's not, it's not such a good idea anymore. And then there's people who are very talented at shooting, right? Mm -hmm. and, they're, and it's very important to distinguish. And I think the veteran community yes. has a huge problem with distinguishing the two sections, right? They go, you didn't ever serve. Why should I listen to you? Well, the truth mm -hmm. is, man, is like, I'm just going to say it. I was in a reconnaissance section almost every guy in the reconnaissance section, reconnaissance section was a very good shot, right? They were very good at rifle marksmanship. We had a lot more training time than we right. than I did when I was on the line. But I'll tell you what, it is not as impressive as you would hope it would be in the infantry with people who are in firearms manipulation. Um, and those guys, you know, those two types of trainers are different in what they can teach. And there's, I've had very professional trainers uh, very a role model of mine um you know i'll just say his first name his name is jason he's a very good role model of mine uh you know he tells me he's like hey guys will um you know they will outshoot me on the range for speed stuff like that but he's like they will not beat me in tactics right 
and I believe it. I mean, I've seen, I've seen what he can do. I've seen what he knows. Um, but then there's other people who will absolutely win every day when it comes to weapons manipulation. Um, and maybe not at tactics. And maybe they don't have the experience to understand the tactics, right? Again, like I said, good ideas are good ideas until they, you know, you put them to practice and they don't work very well. Yeah. But that's why, you know. It's just theory until then. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a theory. And, and theories are um, scary sometimes. <laughs> you know, sometimes you see some <laughs> shit on the internet. You're like, what did I just watch? Oh, yeah, man. Well, the internet. Uh, There's some pretty awesome instructional videos out there. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. But to answer your question, when it, I mean, I, I got off on a tangent again, but which, you know, putting, I was very frustrated with equipment a lot of the time, right? Um, I, you know, seeing, I mean, like in, in my deployments in the Army, uh, you know, I carried a radio, I carried a, a Harris 117 Fox, which is, you know, SATCOM radio, and I carried an embitter, and I bought all of my own, I bought like a Kelty, it's called a Kelty Raven, it's probably the best backpack that I've ever owned, it's a, it was made specifically for uh, the 117, it has a chassis in there that you could bolt that thing down into, and it's just, it's just like the perfect communicator bag, it carries everything you need. I, you know, that's, that bag really kind of, you know, it's one of the things that I started looking at and I started going, man, this is like the army issued me something that doesn't work. And Kelty built something that is perfect. And I'm going to buy the thing that works because it's pain. I mean, we were walking, you know, up and down mountains. I mean, it was just, it was an absurd, we were up in the Kunar province, you know, the Tesh river Valley, the, you guys have all probably heard of the Corngall Valley. Yeah, so our, yeah. our battalion is the battalion that built the, the outpost there. Before the 173rd wow. came, before the Big Red One, before, you know, I don't know, Second ID, I think, was out there too. Before they all got there, we went into that valley when there was nothing and we built that. And climbing those mountains, it, it's like gear was critical. It, it wasn't just something nice. It was like if, you, if your sleeping bag sucked, your backpack suck, you suck. And it really got me interested in it. My second deployment, I was doing all sorts of stuff that was just like, my sergeant major was probably, I mean, I think I, I probably gave him a heart attack because I was like <laughs> cutting, I cut like a duffel bag up and I like sewed my own pouches, like hand stitched pouches onto my, my vest. I, uh, I took like the soft armor out of my vest. I like cut pieces off of it. Like I did all these like crazy like you know things to my vest that were not reversible, um, and I you know because I just wanted it to be I wanted it to be better right I was always trying to find this like better way to wear my equipment better better way to use it and uh, when when I went back to Afghanistan as a contractor I was literally by myself flying all over Afghanistan uh, delivering equipment training people on equipment you know helping them use the equipment. And I had the uh, luxury of going out to where the other co-founder, his name is Zane, of Spirit of Systems. Um, we've been friends since, I think, I mean, I don't even remember, like third grade or something like that. Uh, he's in the 82nd Airborne. We actually got to meet up when we were in Afghanistan. At, he was at a FOB down south in Kandahar. And I, uh, I went to him and I said, you know, I met up with them and, and I said, hey, man, like, 
you know, we've been thinking about this, this company, this, this idea of like doing something better. Um, we should, we should really start thinking about that. And so it literally was born on a, you know, on a cot behind a tent on a, like this shit fob in the sand. You know what I mean? We just started like sketching out ideas and trying to figure out a, a direction to take it. Um, and that's, you know, that's basically all of that experience led up to that point. And then he brought new experience because his deployment was, was totally different than mine, right? Mine was all dismounted, especially on the sniper teams. It was like, it was a totally different world than his was like a lot of uh, mechanized heavy weapons, thing, you know, just a totally different world than mine. And so we, uh, that's how, I mean, that's basically how the company started. Outstanding for collaborations on on gear, though having the you know two two almost entirely different uh, experiences with gear, uh, absolutely to play there. That's uh, that's outstanding. Well, and you know he brought he had a lot of good. I mean he brought he brought back a lot of stuff. With I have a lot of old equipment, and we have it all. If, if you guys ever for some reason get to come out to the shop, it'd be totally cool, and I could show you. We have like we have pouches and packs and things that we've sewn and things that other people have sewn and we've things that we used on deployment and there's just i mean there are things that are extremely frustrating right uh there's yeah. pouches that are blown out i mean seams are blown out uh you know the grow grain that you wrap you know the binding around the seams some pouches don't have it so there's just like this is shit we're sending over to people who are who are like one day they're going to reach in their pouch and their you know fucking frag grenade is going to be laying out and on a mountain somewhere because the the scene blew and it, it really bothers me. So we have these pouches and we show whenever we hire a new sewer, we uh, we sit down with them and we show them all this gear that kind of failed while we were on deployment. We say like this is like this should bring it home to you that somebody is. I mean, not to get all sappy or whatever, but. It is, it's true. I mean, like if you make a shit product, if you come in here and you're lazy one day and you sew a seam wrong and it breaks on somebody overseas, it could cost them, you know, and that's, Absolutely. It's, we just don't like serious. It. So, and, and we had, and I'll admit it, we had a pouch um, fail. We had one of our sack pouches failed in Afghanistan. A guy, guy emailed us um, and I think he's a seventh group guy. And he said, Hey man, like, I really love this pouch, but it like the seam blew out and it, like it i mean we like we're like fuck you know what i mean so we went back and we like looked at all of our quality assurance stuff and we sure enough man we found it we found an issue um we corrected it we you know we sent him out a pouch immediately with the correction i mean it's just it's just one of those things where you know we just we will back our stuff and we we absolutely are trying to like put all of our experience as well as user feedback Every time somebody emails us and they say, hey, man, this would be a good idea, it doesn't go in the trash can. I have a running mm -hmm. list. If we look at everything, we consider it. Unless uh, someone emails you and says, make something in AR1. If, it, if they say, <laughs> well, so that's not true either. People, people, somebody emailed me and I went, I went, hey, why don't we make things in AR1? And I called Natick. I actually tracked down a phone number. I called Natick. I called some PM at Natick some program manager. And I was like, Hey, it's, it's Adam from spirit of systems. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, look, man, how about you send me a couple rolls of that, of that AOR one. And he was like, Get the fuck out of here, man. Like, Who are <laughs> he basically just told me to fuck off. <laughs> he did not fucking care. 
Man, as soon as you name dropped yourself, you should have been all like, oh, yeah, I'll hook you up. What do you need? Yeah, exactly. I'll send, I'll send that right out. <laughs> send that right out. Uh, yeah, that someone in the like... chat asked, what was your primary long-range rig when you were in Scout? Oh, okay. So you, so this is going to be embarrassing. Hold on. I'm going to look up the actual official name of it. Actually, you know what? I'm not embarrassed because it's kick-ass, and I thought about making something, uh, something similar to it. I'm using the Google right now because it actually has a name. The Google. Um, look up. Actually, I'm going to type it in here. Is it an SKS rifle? Oh, is it, is it rifle or rig? Yeah, he's he's wondering if you were on a um, like a SASR platform, like an M110, oh, okay. or if you had a if you had a bolt. Uh, okay, I'm re- I'm reading it right now. So first off, I'm going to send this anyways. So this is the Blackhawk L rack, right? So Blackhawk gear, yeah, everybody laugh, all right? 2000, you know, you got to remember, it's 2006. So <laughs> there weren't a lot of options. <laughs> but um, this this rig is, this rig was incredible, right? So so a lot of my... Google it. So a lot of my, my deployment was spent um, switching between some various weapon systems, right? Uh, our, our platoon, sniper platoon, I'll answer his question first, so let's see here. Um, so we had the M110, which, you know, it's a Knight's Armament gun. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to bash Knight's Armament on here. Knight's Armament built a rifle for to specifications that the Army gave them, right? Um, I fired the SR25. I fired the M110. I've also fired the XM Experimental Model 110. Uh, I can tell you that the SR-71, or sorry, SR-71, the SR-71 is legit, I can tell you that. <laughs> the SR-25 was was a legit weapon. Uh, the M110, um, I feel like they missed the mark on that weapon. I was not, we were not very impressed with it. We carried it uh, because we didn't have a lot of options, but I was not very impressed with that weapon. And we also had the, what was called the Mark 13. Um so that's a 300 win mag rifle. So those are primarily, and we also had M24s, and we also had the Barrett. So we had four four rifle systems. So the Remington M24, Knight's Armament, M110, the uh, Mark 13, and then also the Barrett. So those were, you know, the choices we had, and we utilized all. We utilized all. Of them. So what do you think about uh, some of the upper brass considering uh, looking for a new battle rifle for the army again? I think it's I think it's an incredibly intelligent thing to do. I think that, um, you know, the it just it really depends on your mission, and we and you know there's so many people. I don't even, I'm afraid to even go into this world because everybody has such a an opinion on firearms, right? <laughs> uh, but you know I'm I'm about a couple of things. So our our 110, we we contacted LMT directly and we said, look, man. The army gave us this 110, and it's 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 too long. It's like the buttstock is not collapsible. Like this thing, what is this? You know what I mean? And LMT actually sent our platoon four um, buttstocks for free, and we so like just like being bros, right? Helping helping the warfighter out. They sent us these these stocks. So we we all we put adjustable stocks on our on our rifles. Um, we ran with the, the cans on them all, like all the time. And, you know, it, it would have been nice to have 
a, a weapon that was more in between, like maybe this, you know, kind of like a, a scar heavy setup, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Sniper variant, yeah. something like that. Um, I think it's a good idea because in Afghanistan, you know, if we got into a, most of our engagements were long range. Most of the guys in the scout team were just, you know, waiting to fight, like waiting for something to happen because they, you know, very disciplined. They're like, Hey, look, this is outside the effective range of my 14 and a half inch barrel, you know, on my green tip, you know, shooting green tip out of my rifle. So they just, they know the limitation of their weapon. They've shot the KE range with it, you know? And, uh, so it was basically the snipers and, and we had a Mark 48s as well. So the snipers or one of the machine guns were the only thing that could really, could really effectively engage some of these, these guys out of range. So I think it's a great idea. I think more, the more options, I mean, I imagine a platoon, uh, you know, there's, there's great reconnaissance platoons in every battalion in the army, right? There's, I mean, they're everywhere. These guys are, it's, it's where the cream of the crop kind of rises to, and they put them in one platoon and you just have, you know, you can give them a lot of options. They could be very diverse in their mission sets. I'm all about it. That's awesome. Well, it's I think yeah. we'll wrap it up tonight on that point. Thank you for coming on, Adam. You are yeah, always welcome to come and chill with us. Your insight sure. is always welcome. Uh, thank you, Chris, for telling us about the uh, mysterious land up north. Also, it's very educational. <laughs> and before we close out, give one plug to our sponsor, uh, Southpaw Tactical. Use code M-O-E-G-O-N-S, MOGUN, to get 10% off your whole order. Which, if you're building an AR from the ground up and you need to replace everything, like absolutely everyone should do, that 10% can add up pretty quickly. So Southpaw Tactical, Mo Guns, take 10% off. We appreciate them sponsoring this shit show of a podcast. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for coming on, and we'll see you again later. This episode of Guns, Gear, and Beer is sponsored by SouthpawTactical.com. Use code MOGUNS for a discount and to support this podcast.